Hello, and welcome to the Southeast Students Podcast. Here you can find all of the teachings from our special series in middle school group and high school group. Our goal as a ministry is to guide young people into a personal relationship with Jesus and train them to become like Him. We pray that these teachings help you to do just that. You're listening to our study through the book of Acts. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up that part of the teaching is missing on the recording. So if it sounds like it just starts out of nowhere, that's why. But anyway, back to the podcast. Paul wants to go to Rome. He makes it clear in his letter to the Romans that um, he really wanted to come visit them. So he says in Romans 1, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So he really wants to go to Rome, too. Fellowship. Fellowship. That's exactly it. But Paul ends up sending Timothy and one of his helpers named Erastus to Macedonia. Um, And Paul stays back in Ephesus for a while, and things are about to get crazy again in Ephesus. This is the town where crazy things happen. So, verse 23. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way, also known as there was a really big disturbance. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen, also known as a lot of business. I don't know why, I don't know why Luke writes like this, but anyway. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may be, even be disposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. So, troubles brewing in Ephesus again. There's a guy named Demetrius. Not a good baby name, like we've been talking about baby names in Acts, because Demetrius is not a good guy. He's a silversmith, which means that he worked with silver, and specifically he makes idols of the goddess Artemis. We're going to find out here in this section, and he mentions it here. In Ephesus, there was a massive temple to the goddess Artemis, to the false goddess Artemis. It's supported by 127 pillars. It was huge. Um, Each of those pillars was like 60 feet tall. It was decorated with sculptures. It's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So this thing is like huge. It's ginormous. Apparently, when I was reading Guzik's commentary, it's also like a giant meteorite in the center of this temple, which is crazy. Um, either it resembled or was like shaped into a statue. Uh, that's referred to later in the chapter as well. But Demetrius, he crafted idols of Artemis and then he sold them to the people in the area. That was his job. Uh, he made bank doing it too. He made seriously bank. good money. He made bank. Yeah. Cash money. Yeah, he made, made <laughs> he made that bread, that dough. Um, he made a lot of good money doing what he did. He also didn't just make himself money. He made a bunch of other people money too because everyone else got business because of what he did, all the other craftsmen. This is a great setup for everybody. People come to worship Artemis. He gets money. Everybody else gets money because they make the idols too. It's great. But there's a problem because his idol sales are slowly been declining over the past two years. And he's not making as many sales as he used to. Maybe his regulars aren't showing up anymore. I don't know what a regular to an idol shop looks like. I said this to the middle schoolers, and one of them's like, how many idols, like, was joking about how many idols does one person need? But anyway, apparently, like... How many Bibles do you have in your house? That's 
That's how you become a repeat customer, okay? You're right. <laughs> Going back to Crossway again, I'm like, you know what? I need another copy in the same translation, please. <laughs> this one looks so pretty. I need it. Don't worship your Bible, guys. Worship Jesus. But anyway, why do you think people stopped coming to worship Artemis? What's the deal? Yes, sir. Actually, that might be part of it, but what would they have done because they heard about the seven people? Like, what was their response to that? Not doing that, but something else way more important than that. Following Jesus. Yeah, dude. That's exactly it. <laughs> no, well, Stephen just said bet, and I just got really distracted. But anyway, because they worship Jesus now. That's exactly why. So remember, Paul's been preaching here, guys, for two years straight. Like, that's a really long time to be preaching anywhere. Two years straight. Not only that, but, like, all of Asia has heard about Jesus by this point. Like, all of Asia. Gentlemen, are you with me? Cool. Just making sure. Cool. Thank you. So, uh, what's really cool, so that as the gospel spread, the sales of idols went down. And that's really key. As the gospel spread, idol sales go down. Which seems like a no-duh, but I want to sit here for a second. Because what's really cool... Is that Paul's not like specifically like out here trying to like destroy the temple of Artemis. He's not like picketing outside and being like down with Artemis or anything like that. He's not burning anything down that he shouldn't be burning down. He's not. He's none of that. But he's not doing that. It is a it is a place that sells witchcrafty things. I feel like it deserves to be burned down anyway. Still a crime, Kenny. Anyway, he's not doing that because Apostle Paul knows he shouldn't be doing that. But. What he is doing is he's sharing about Jesus. He's just preaching the gospel. He's sharing about the one true God, Jesus, and how we can have a relationship with him as people. But here's the deal, Kenny. As a natural result of that, as a natural result of people worshiping Jesus, people aren't worshiping Artemis anymore. This is really cool. And guys, this is the point I want you to take away tonight. Is because when people start legitimately following Jesus, you should naturally start living your life differently. So when you start worshiping Jesus... Your life, you will start to live it differently naturally. It will happen. You'll stop talking foul and making crude jokes like your friends do. You'll stop being rude and bitter towards your friends, and you'll start being kind and loving because Jesus is that way. You'll start wanting to be more honest with the people in your life. You'll stop watching the same bad movies and shows as your friends or reading the same books that they do. Like, you should have these things changing over time. You should start wanting to read your Bible more. So it's not just about not wanting the bad stuff. It's also about wanting the good things. So you should start wanting to read your Bible, like wanting to worship Jesus, wanting to spend time in prayer and to spend time with other believers. Like those things should naturally be occurring in you. And I'm not trying to say that to like, oh, do more. Like that's not the point. The point is if you're following Jesus, you should naturally want those things. Like you should want what he wants. I'm not saying you're not going to sin because you will or that there won't be mornings that you will wake up and you'll just be like, I don't want to read my Bible because that will happen. But you should become consistent in them over time. And I do expect that of you in a sense. Not because I expect you to be perfect, but because I expect that when you follow Jesus, that those things naturally will happen in your life. So I guess the question is, like, if your life looks exactly like your unsaved friends at school, like you go there and you sit there and you're like, man, there's literally nothing different about my unsaved friends and me. I think a great question to ask yourself is, like, do I have a relationship with Jesus? Like, at all? Because you'll always struggle with sin, right? Like, that'll never stop happening. 
you're always going to be a sinner. That will continue until Jesus takes you home and he's fully sanctified you and you'll be perfect. But as of right now, here on this earth, we're all sinners. So I'm not saying you won't struggle. But what I am saying is that naturally over time, you're going to desire what he wants. I'm sending you two buyers to a Bible passage. Put your Bibles in your heads. For those of you who are new, this is called a sword drill. You put your Bible on your head, spine on the back. Yep, like that. And then your goal is to race to the passage as fast as possible. Okay. Are we ready, guys? What? Oh, you're like... Trying to... Okay, you got it. Okay, here we go. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. And then when you get it, stand up. Yo, Dave! All right. Uh... Dave has got it, guys. Dave, can you read verses 1 through 2 for me? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that will be tested by you. By that by it. It's kind of a weird... So that by testing you may discern yep. what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable for Amen. Thank you. Yeah. So the point of that is like as you spend time with Jesus, and I mean like in a relationship with Jesus, because the reason, guys, the reason I tell you, why do I tell you to pray and to read your Bible? Why do you think I do that? To get closer to God. No, but like, yeah. Because it helps build a connection with God. That's exactly it. I hope you guys know that. That You guys got it. Yeah, Rachel. To grow spiritually? Yeah, for sure. But, like, the point is that it connects you with God. So, like, shh, I know you just said that. And I, I, you're right, Shane. You're right. But the point of it is that the reason I tell you to read your Bible and to pray is not so you can do the holy thing and, like, do the Christian thing. I tell you to do that because that's how you connect with the Lord. And the thing I want for you guys is to have a relationship with the Lord. Like, that's really it. That's all I want. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be flawless or anything like that. I'm just asking you to have a relationship with God. That's my job is to like, and my duty and the passion of my life is to say, man, like I want you guys to follow Jesus and to have a relationship with him. And so as you spend time with Jesus, because that's what you're doing when you do that, as you spend time with Jesus in the word and in prayer, in fellowship with other believers, he will transform your mind. Like you will start to think differently. When you guys sin now in comparison to when you were a young believer or when you were unsaved, I don't know if you guys grew up in the church. I know a lot of you did, but like, does it feel terrible to you? Like when you guys sin, or raise hands. When you sin, does it feel awful? That's a good sign. If, you, if it does feel bad, especially if over time it starts to feel worse when you sin, I think that's because it's a sign that the Lord is working in your life. It's a sign that the Holy Spirit literally lives within you, that he lives with you and he is speaking to you. And it's a good thing. It's a sign the Lord's working in your life. So I pray that that continues to happen in your life. But anyway... You guys good, boys? I didn't know. I'm not part of this. It's okay. We'll, we'll catch back up. But anyway, so back to the passage, guys. So Demetrius is freaking out. He's starting to sweat. He can't stand losing customers anymore. He comes up with his plan. He gathers together all the craftsmen of the town and the people of the city who do similar things, and he starts laying out the issue. So Demetrius mentions that people are losing money because of Paul's preaching. He also mentions that Paul's gospel message might make the Temple of Artemis lose influence, which... I don't know what this guy's motive is. It seems to be money more than anything, but he also throws that in there. Um, 
He's like, man, the Temple of Artemis is going to lose its influence, and Artemis is not going to be respected anymore. And apparently that was the push the people need because chaos is about to break out. So verse 28, when they heard this, they were enraged and crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. Things get seriously out of hand. The crowd turns into like this massive mob. The whole city's in an uproar. They grab two of Paul's companions. I don't know if they just couldn't find Paul or whatever, but they grab him, and they drag him into the theater, and it's like a seriously dangerous situation is starting to happen here. Verse 30. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, this guy's psycho, I know, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs who were friends of his sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together, which cracks me up. They're like, we don't even know why we're here. But so Paul wants to go into this angry mob, maybe because he thought this was like an opportunity to preach the gospel, maybe because his friends were in there. I don't know. But Paul seems like seriously dedicated to going in. Yes, Kenny. Is it bad that I picture Paul like walking up with these these guys up on the stage cheering into the crowd and then Paul just walks up with his Bible and like kicks them off and just starts preaching to like this amplifier of people? Dude, it almost seems like he wants to. It almost seems like he's ready to preach to these people. But I he's brave for sure. Maybe a little bit crazy. I think Paul's friends, guys, honestly, I think Paul's friends wisely don't let him go in because he might have died. And as much as Paul wants to preach the gospel, it's like probably dangerous. Anyway, uh, the crowd at this point is just in pure chaos. There's so much noise and commotion and people have gotten so crazy that literally no one even remembers why they're there anymore. So this is what mob mentality looks like. If you want a perfect example of what happens when a big group of people get angry, sometimes they're so mad and they're so flustered, they actually forget what they're doing there in the first place and they're just yelling and shouting. Like children, basically. But anyway, verse 33. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the Jewish people of the town, they send this guy named Alexander to defend the Jews. He's probably wanting to tell the super angry crowd, like, listen, I know we're Jewish like Paul is, but like, we don't know that guy. <laughs> like, he's not with us, just so you know. Like, you guys are mad at him. We're just trying to do the synagogue thing. Like, we're not about that. Um, but racism gets involved. The people see he's a Jew. And immediately, I'm not kidding, guys. This is literally what happens. That's what he says. They see he's a Jew, and immediately they're like even angrier. And they start chanting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, over and over again for two hours straight. Dude, I, I guess you could call it that, yeah. Unify them in the wrong way. But, like, dude, two hours is such a long time. That's, like, longer, like, that's about as long as most movies are. Like, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Over and over again. Two hours. Anyway. Long time, guys. Long time. But, anyway, verse 35. Shh. Thank you. When the town clerk had quieted the crowd, just like I did, it was crazy. I'm just kidding. He said, men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. 
If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen have with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring their charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we are really in danger of being charged with rioting today. No kidding. Since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the people. So after multiple hours of chanting, something like the mayor, the town clerk comes out and he finally can get the crowd to shut down. And he's like, listen, y'all, everybody knows the temple's great. Like everybody gets it. We all know that Artemis is great and we hear you. But since we all know that, I need you all to shut up. And I need you to not do anything stupid because these guys you brought here haven't done anything wrong, which is true. Actually, if you guys think about it, Paul and his friends didn't do anything wrong. All they've done is preach about Jesus and say, hey, you should follow Jesus. And they're not forcing anybody to become Christians. This is just naturally happening. So they didn't do anything wrong. The town clerk continues and says, if y'all have like a legit issue, bring it to the courts or to legal assembly. But if this keeps going on, we're going to be guilty of rioting and we have no reason to explain what we're doing here. That'd be a problem because the people in Ephesus, this would have the Roman government crack down on them and probably take away a lot of the freedoms they had. And so it would not have been a good deal for them. So he's like, if we sit here and like, and keep rioting, eventually Rome's going to come down on us. And that's the last thing we want. Um, so that would not be good. So finally the mob's like, oh yeah, probably a good idea. I don't want Rome to come down on us. And they finally dismiss. It's a crazy story. Acts is kind of wild sometimes. Um, but there's a takeaway I want you guys to take away from this is that I think it's really interesting here that the gospel really affected this city in such a way. Like the whole city is tore up. (laughs) Like everyone's angry, screaming for hours. Why? Because like the gospel doesn't actually break any rules. It doesn't seek to hurt anybody. It really is a free message that anyone can choose to accept or choose to reject. But yet people are like so angry about it. And I think it's, the gospel is really a simple message. You guys know that, right? Like, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Our sin, it separates us from a relationship with God. But Jesus came and he lived the perfect life we never could, which means that he gave his life for me and he took the punishment for my sin and for your sin. And he was raised to life and he's now at God's right hand interceding for us. And if we accept his, his free gift of salvation that he offers us, we can be forgiven. And one day he's gonna return and bring us to himself. Like, that's kind of the gospel in a nutshell, is that Jesus died for my sins, my sins separate me from God, but Jesus pays the debt for my sins, and now I can have a relationship with God again, and I get to spend eternity with him as a result. Super simple message. Doesn't really seem that offensive at face value, but it changes the world. Like, it, the whole world has been changed by this message. And I think the reason it does is because when someone has a real relationship with Jesus, what's really interesting is like when the gospel's preached to someone, it's like forcing them to change in a sense, right? You don't really have a choice when you hear it. When I tell someone, like, by the way, your sins, they separate you from God. Like, the things that you've done wrong, they separate you from God. And unless you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, you can't have a relationship with God. A person can do two things. They can either, one, say, I'm wrong, and continue to live in sin, or they can repent, and they can choose to follow Jesus. There isn't really a middle ground. The middle ground is choosing to not repent. And so, therefore, they're not choosing the correct thing. Um, and they don't get to follow Jesus. What's up, Kevin? The words the actors of Shout Creek. Satan owns the fence. Satan does indeed own the fence. If you live, have you guys heard that term before? Like, oh, I'm living life on the fence. That means, like, 
There's like the world over here and the things of the world and following your own passions and whatever you want to do. And then there's following Jesus over here. And it's like, well, I'm just going to do both. I'm going to go to church and then I'm going to do the worldly thing. But like Satan owns the fence. That's exactly right. He totally does. Because it's either you're all for Jesus or you're not. And that's why Jesus says, he's like, if anyone doesn't hate his own mother and father and wife and children and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He says that not because he wants you to hate your kids or to hate your wife or to hate your family. He actually tells you to love them and respect them. The reason he says that, it sounds intense, right? The reason he says it is because your love for Jesus should so outshine that love for your family that it should feel like you hate them. Like I love Jesus so much more than I love my family that it's like a completely different kind of thing. Like it's about the intensity of your love. And so that's the message of the gospel. And that's why this town is in a riot. It's because it's really, it's changing people's lives. Because like I mentioned earlier, when someone has a real relationship with Jesus, like they're really following him, they naturally start acting like Jesus does. They love each other sacrificially. They stop worshiping things that aren't Jesus. They let Jesus command their lives. He gets the whole thing. They don't act like the world anymore. They still sin, but the overall direction of their life is towards what Jesus would want for them. And even in their sin, they're repentant. And so they're wanting to follow Jesus. So this is a question that, or questions I want you guys to be thinking on as you go home. Is like, is Jesus changing your life? Like, are you acting more and more like Jesus over time? Are you acting in kindness towards each other? Are you hating the evil things of the world? Like, are you letting him renew your thinking day by day? Like, this should be happening naturally. Or are you just acting like your friends at school? Like, are you just acting like everybody else does? If someone walked into your school and listened to your conversations with your friends or just you hanging out at home or like you talking with your buddies online video games, whatever it is, like would they be able to tell that you follow Jesus? Like could they tell by listening to the way you speak, by the kind of games you play, by what you want in life? Do you follow Jesus? Like it should be obvious. And if not, I don't want you guys just to feel bad and go home. Like that's not the point. It's like, oh man, feel bad about yourself. It's like run to Jesus. That's my encouragement to you guys. It's like, man, if you're starting to realize, like, dude, I'm not changing. Like, I'm just like my friends. Like, there's nothing about me that separates me from the world. Like, man, go to Jesus, and he wants to forgive you. One, completely forgive you. So there's no shame here. And he wants to change you. He wants to actively work with you and changing you more like himself. You guys know that Jesus wants you to be holy more than you want to be holy, right? Like, Jesus wants you to be, like, to be, have a good relationship with him and to follow him and to be a good representative of him more than you want that. Or maybe you don't even want that. I don't know. But he still wants it more than you do. So, like, run to Jesus. I don't know if you guys knew this. Portland's a pretty wicked city. Did you guys know that? No. Yeah. No. Pretty. It's a... I know. What? You guys go to school here or even if you're homeschooled, you probably know this place is pretty messed up. In fact, I would say it's actually pretty similar to Ephesus. I think there's a lot of idolatry here. People worship false things. But guys, the power to change a place like Portland, the power to do that, it starts here in this church. And not just in the church in there on Sunday mornings. It starts here. Or sorry, Sunday mornings and now Sunday evenings. It also, yeah, plug for 6 p.m. service. It also, it also happens in here. It happens in here on Thursday nights. Like, guys, the Lord should be transforming us. And it starts with us not acting like the world anymore. It starts with us walking as he wants us to. So that's my encouragement to you guys. If you genuinely seek the Lord and you're willing to obey him, I promise you he will change you. And I don't promise that because like out of some empty hope. I promise it because the Bible tells me that that's the case. And I can take that to the bank.
And so no matter where you're at in life, I don't know if you're really struggling right now and you're not having a great time following Jesus or you're doing really well right now. I think the message is the same to you, which is like, continue to be changed. Like, continue to seek the Lord. Like, man, actively invite him into your life and I think he will change you. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southeast Students Podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out more online by visiting our website at ccscportland.com. Hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you later. Peace.